At the gates of death, Voss mounts a silver dragon to do battle with a Baylor demon. In the real world, her body is lost within a flooded cavern system. Only the gelatinous cube Globogul is with her. Loyal to a fault, the cube will bring her to her party, but it has only one means of transporting her there. Even if Globogul is able to bring her back to her party, Endvoss defeats the Baylor demon to return to the land of the living. What kind of body will she have to return to? This is Anatomy of a Campaign. For tonight's session, we have two situations with three core objectives. Firstly, in the Land of Death, we have Voss about to do battle with a Baylor demon. She has dragons to help her, and her objective is to prevent the demon from destroying or consuming either part of her soul. If she can do that, she can return to the Land of the Living. Secondly, we have the party trapped within a cavern system that's being flooded. They've managed to get to an area where they're not in danger of drowning, but they've lost Voss's body, and they have two objectives. First is to escape the caverns. They're trapped down here, and they need to get out. Second, they need to recover Voss's body. If they don't recover her body, she won't have anything to return to. In last session, they weren't able to squeeze her body through the flooded cave. Globogul, the gelatinous cube, is with the body, and they communicated to him and said, take care of her. They did this in character. From a metagame standpoint, you'd be able to think it through and say, we know that she's struggling to return to the land of the living, and she needs a body to be able to return to. But from an in-game perspective, you'd have no reason to believe that any of that was happening. She's dead. Her body is lost. It was more of a funiary is that how you pronounce that word? It was more of a funeral request. It was Bren who was the last one to try to get her out. It's a way to say, make sure she's at her final rest. Both situations are extremely tense, and either one would be able to sustain a session on its own. Again, I find myself in the position of looking to manage dual experiences. I'm not, however, going to handle it the way I have in the past, where I run the encounters simultaneously. Instead, I'm going to be allowing the players to run some of the dragons within the Land of Death encounter, and I'm going to be introducing a temporary character for Taylor to be able to engage in the party's main storyline in the cavern system. I'm going to talk a lot more about that when we're in the next section of the podcast. Overall, from a situational standpoint, we left off on a cliffhanger and are set up to have, right now, one massive battle in the land of death that I think everyone and anyone would be excited to take part in. You're astride a silver dragon with a wing of dragon allies going up against a massively powerful demon in the land of death. This would be the poster child for why any of us play this game, I think. The other side is, of course, the players who are stuck in a cavern system and how they will go about it. But there's going to be something that I introduce very quickly in that scenario, which adds, that's right, more tension. There's going to be a lot of tactical stuff going on in the land of death with the dragons and the demon, and that's going to be a fairly big, massive encounter. There's going to, believe it or not, be some role-playing stuff happening in the caverns. 
as well as combat against, I'd say, an, an appropriate uh, level encounter, but against a party that is completely out of their um, resources and are desperately in need of a long rest. There are a number of things that are on my mind as I look to organize the upcoming session. In terms of pacing and order of events, the logical flow coming out of the cliffhanger is to, again, handle the battle at the gates of death first, and then come to the land of the living and deal with what's going on there. However, one is a battle between a whole bunch of dragons and a demon, and another is not a battle <laughs> between a bunch of dragons and a demon, and which one should be the closeout for the session. Additionally, there's a complication I wish to introduce, and I teased it up at the top of this podcast. Globagul is going to return Voss's body to them. The party was able to squeeze up into this area that was not really flooded. Globagul can swim and he can follow them. He has no capacity, though, to carry Voss, except within his gelatinous form. Unfortunately, that would subject her to all manner of acid damage and begin to dissolve her for digestion. Now, Globagul is a modestly intelligent creature now. I believe his intelligence is something like a six, so somewhat animalistic, though sentient. He's telepathic, and he has a connection to this party, a very profound connection to the party, and I've used him as a conduit for various deities to be communicating with Voss. He is going to bring her body within himself, she is going to be subjected to all of that digestive damage. He's going to bring her up and release her to the party, but there's going to be little more than bones left of her. I believe this will be a somewhat shocking way to open because it's quite clear then Voss has nowhere to return to. By opening that way, I think I add big questions and it gives the party essentially a quest item. Because in order to bring Voss back, they would actually have to find someone capable of casting a resurrection spell. I'm going to be ending that on a cliffhanger intro. Okay, we begin with Globagool popping up and depositing the bones. I have a, an in-real-life issue to deal with. Joe, who plays Bren, is joining, but he might be joining late. Now, if he's going to join late, I'd rather spend the early portion of the game session on the dragon versus demon battle. My intent was to then continue with the cave system, let them find the exit, but also deal with the things I'm going to be putting into that encounter, and then go to the, the demon and the dragons. Just basically due to scheduling of people being able to join the game, I may need to start with the, the bit with Globagool, then pop over to the, the Land of Death to handle that encounter. When Joe joins, he can take over one of the dragons, no big deal. And then he'll be there fully for the part in the, the cave system, which I'm going to be honest, I'm doing in, in large part because I know he's desperate to, to use his Battlemaster stuff. And I've designed an encounter in there to allow that, as well as some other things to happen for, for other members of the, of the team. If, on the other hand, he, if I have to do it exactly the way I wanted to, I'm going to start this way. It's going to be the Globagool bit, uh, depositing Voss's body. There's going to be the introduction of a new character. This would be Taylor's temporary character. It is a Kenku cleric of Morrigan. 
It's interesting. Among the playable races, I think the Kenku is one of the most challenging because of their inability to speak, that they can only make these mimic sounds. I think Critical Role and what Matt Mercer did to illustrate how you can play a character like that has done a lot for convincing me to allow it and give it a try. Part of the background I've given Taylor on this character includes phrases that she has picked up along the way. So there's something like 12 or 15 common phrases that she can use. So that provides a a foundation for some communication. The core premise is this. Morgan is playing a long game as she attempts to come back to the world and achieve a following in the land of Arabatha. I think the Kenku connected to Morrigan, if you know anything about the Morrigan, her icon is a raven or a crow, essentially a black bird. And that's kind of what Kenku looked like. So it seemed to me that in, it makes sense for the Kenku to be a, a small society in a distant land, in an isolated part of that land, who never gave up worshipping the Morrigan. They have held true to the faith. Recently, her power has actually been able to return to the world, and therefore, this character is a cleric. They've been given visions. They've traveled secretly to this place for this exact purpose, to help transport the bones of Voss to a temple where this resurrection spell can be performed. All of this is a setup for what will be the next leg of the campaign. There's going to be a number of sessions where the players are heading towards the town of Borlane, which was their original mission in pursuit of the Bal Nexicon and the Hag Agoramaya. Always in Borlane, there is a temple, one of the oldest temples in the world that goes back many thousands of years. Given the developments in the campaign, I've decided that within that temple, there is power which the followers of Morrigan can tap into. So the mission for this Kenku is to connect with the party and help them carry the bones of their fallen comrade to this temple in Borlane. Along the way, they're going to need to pick up an old farmer. He comes from a long-descended line that were druids of the Morrigan. And he is the one who can actually perform the resurrection ritual within the temple. What I think this does is it helps to focus the overall party on what the next step is going to be. It helps to have them engage with the rootlands that they're moving through and gives a, a two-step process as they move towards Borlane. There's also this threat that I'm going to introduce in the cavern system. I've always been a big fan of Kruthix. I don't know exactly what edition they were introduced in, but they were really well done in 4th edition, and I used them a number of times there. They remind me very much of the aliens in the first Pitch Black movie, just in terms of how they look. They're tunnelers, they're, in, they, they're more insectoid than anything. Actually, if I was saying what they truly remind me of, they look like the Brood from the old X-Men comics, who, of course, are a ripoff of the the aliens from Alien to a degree, but more insectoid. Anyways, they're really nasty looking. I'll be able to throw a ton of them 
at the party, and it'll hopefully have a little bit of a, an overwhelming factor. But at the end of it all, it's going to be a big old melee battle as the party attempts to recover the bones, defeat these these Kruffik as they make their way to the exit from the cave, which should not be very hard to find. Then I would do the Gates of Death. I feel that encounter kind of writes itself. The Baylor demon is going to be gating in several uh, other demons. Believe it or not, one Baylor demon is no match for a wing of adult dragons. In looking at the Baylor demon in the monster manual, I'm a little disappointed. It's purely a physical foe. It has no spell-like abilities. I'll have to look at it again, but I'm going to have to add some stuff there. I think it's a little strange that uh, a Baylor demon can't gate in other demons, so I'm just giving it that ability. And it's kind of the same problem with the dragons. The dragons, what they really have are legendary actions. They don't have spell-like abilities. I'm probably just going to keep that as it is for now. I actually have much bigger plans for what dragons will be like in this campaign and the history and the story behind that. I don't want to complicate the scenario by introducing that here. This would be the spiritual representation of the dragons of old. The dragons in this campaign down the line will be somewhat different. Don't want to quite get into that just yet. So it's going to be a blend, though, of the classically good-aligned metallic dragons. I want to avoid any dragon whose breath weapon is only fire, because I'm, I'm really looking for everyone to have some fun playing out a, a dragon and up against demons who are mostly fire-resistant, having your breath weapon be nerfed is not fun, so I'm just going to do a blend of the metallic dragons as well as the chromatic dragons, the classically evil ones, so that everyone has a cool dragon to, to run for, for this battle. The Baylor is going to gate in a number of demons, some of which will be aiding him in the battle against the dragon flight, others that will be going towards the two aspects of Voss's soul, the light and the dark, in an attempt to feed and usher her into final death. I will even be adjusting the rules of gating in demons because I, I need a lot more threats on the board in order for for the dragons to, to have a challenge. I don't know that the Baylor would be pulling in anything as powerful as itself. It would be a lot of smaller challenge rated demons across this very, very massive game map that I have, which is a, a tower that's fallen over onto its side. It's very black and misty, and there are these two moats, one of the dark side of Voss's soul and the light side of Voss's soul. Additionally, if any of the dragons should fall, there's going to be a temporary stunning effect on Voss because each of these dragons are the true connections to her soul. So that's kind of the twist. I'm hoping that the demons will be able to attack either the light or the dark side, and it'll seem like they've won, but she's still there and she won't quite understand why. I want to reinforce that her connection to her soul is actually the dragons. As long as one dragon is alive, she's alive. And when the demons realize that, the battle will switch and change as well. Timing's going to be important because I'm trying to do a lot, and as I have noticed every, literally every single time, I can't quite get through everything I want. What I don't want to do is spend all my time on an encounter in the caverns with Kruthix when I've got a dragon versus demon encounter to run. So I have to be a little careful in how all of that plays out. But I am confident that with uh, forethought, 
I'll be able to ensure that we get to both and we get to the conclusion of, of both of these. Because I always like to think of what the next step is in the off chance that things go faster than I expected. I don't know why, but I have to think about all the different things that can happen. The party would be returning to, to town and they've got a number of things that they need to work out. Are they, in fact, going to continue and do this? I'm not a thousand percent sure that they will bring Voss's bones to the temple in Borlane. They're very likely to do it, but I know from these characters' perspective, not necessarily the players, but from the characters' perspective, it's really a little strange that Voss would choose to kill herself rather than sacrifice that one vagrant they brought for her to sacrifice and thus free herself from the temple. And that might lend itself to thoughts of, well, let's see, so the guy who wanted to retrieve the Balnexicon is dead. He's no longer with us. This other character actually killed herself rather than save herself, which would be a head-scratcher for some of them. So why are we pursuing this book into the rootlands in the town of Borlane and, and going after another hag when we can just go back to Outpost 9 and probably get jobs and things to do there? Mir certainly is on a mission from the Antis and will be attempting to sway the party if they do start to question if they should continue to bring Voss's bones to Borlane. His job is to secure the Balnexicon and return it to the hags, as well as some other nasty things. So he'll certainly be angling to continue down that path. And my gut is that they'll see that as the, oddly enough, path of least resistance. Let's just keep doing that. I do want to focus the team and get us past this point of coming back to and questioning core decisions on what their objectives are and what they're doing. I think we're pretty close to that. I think the nature of the experience that they've just had should be enough for them to say, okay, we're definitely going to proceed. But the bottom line is, as long as I can get us to the dragon versus demons encounter, I kind of feel like we can't go wrong. At least not this one time. I think there's a lot that's going to be in this session that should just work and work well. As I've said, I, I think the twist right up front of showing that Globagool has returned Voss's body and in so doing has made it so she can't just pop up awake. I think that's going to be a really good twist right in the beginning to bring everyone back. And the reason I, I think it's a good twist is because it makes sense, but I doubt everyone has thought about it. Before, she was a body that had this dagger stuck up through her head, which was a problem. But now... She's not even going to be much of a body. She's going to be just a sack of bones. And that makes sense. Of course, that's what Globagul would do. He tried to return her. He brings her up. And here she is. Well, even if she wins this battle, it's not like she's just going to be in the party. I think the battle, obviously, between the, the dragons with demons should be a lot of fun. And that should, should work fairly well. The areas of concern and things that I'm looking out for, I've kind of alluded to already, but it's making sure the pacing is right and making sure we get to the stuff we need to get to. I would be very upset with myself if I allowed us to spend an over amount of time just on the cave battle, such that we weren't even really able to get to or finish the battle with the dragons and the demon. I do feel the need to end 
this storyline here where they came in to explore this temple. We've been doing it for a number of sessions, far more sessions than I ever intended. That's okay. You go with the flow. Sometimes things need to work out the way they're going to work out, but I do need to, to bring this to a close and move the party on to the next phase. I think the introduction of the Kenku could be a little clunky. Her limited communication is something I'm a little bit worried about, but hopefully, certainly between Taylor, I think uh, Grayson playing Jarrus will be a big help in this scenario. Hopefully, I'm able to communicate enough ahead of time with Taylor so she's got what she needs in order to to pull off the introduction of this Kenku cleric in a way that connects her quickly to the party. Overall, though, I think there's a lot of things in tonight's session that are creative, that are expanding the story, will hopefully be things that make the players stop and think, hey, that's kind of interesting, and wonder how this is going to be playing out uh, in the campaign and the sessions to come, and has them thinking about that in a way that, that gets them excited for the storylines and, and the campaign as it continues to develop. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you're enjoying the podcast, the best thing you can do is help us extend and promote our listenership. Depending on the platform you use for podcasts, you can give us a review, you can like, you can click the heart button, or you can reach out to us on social media. I'm on Twitter at AnatomyCamp, and you can reach me via email at phil at campaignanatomy.com. As ever, no players were physically harmed during the recording of this podcast. Thank you for listening.